Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. It's the Lord coming into our lives and saying, look, I know what you've done. In fact, he, he didn't even stop there, at least for us, what we, what we understand, and for Peter as well. I think Peter got this too. He knows not only what we've done, he knows what you're going to do. And he's like, Peter, you think this is the last time you're going to do something boneheaded? You think this is the last time you're going to fail me? Oh, we got a long way to go, buddy. So whatever you think, maybe you're in your mind, in your heart, you think like, I, there's just no going back. Can I tell you that you can always go back? Do you have that one person in your life that no matter what you do, they'll never leave you? Maybe it's a spouse or a friend that loves you so unconditionally that you can always go back to them. Well, Pastor James shares that we all have that one person in Jesus. He knows everything that you've done and will do, and he still loves you and will always want you back. But you have to make the decision to run back to him. He's always there waiting for you, ready and willing to restore his relationship with you. Now, turn in your Bible to the book of John chapter 21, as Pastor James continues his message, Restoration. here's Jesus. He's already started a fire. He's got some fish. Where'd he get the fish? I don't know. We don't know. He doesn't, he doesn't need to catch them. I know that because he knows how to just make fish appear and bread. So please, let's, let's see this. Fish and bread, two things Peter is very, very familiar with. In fact, there was two times in his life where Jesus fed thousands of people with fish and bread. You think Jesus is trying to tell these guys something? You think Jesus is trying to tell Peter something? As Peter is the first one to the shore and he looks and there's a charcoal fire. What does that, what does that remind him of two weeks ago? The charcoal fire that he was warming himself by when he denied Jesus. You think Jesus put that there just to make him feel bad? No, not at all. Jesus is inviting him to a different kind of fire, a different kind of fire. I'm going to cook some fish on this one and some bread. Peter, I'm going to make you some pretty amazing breakfast fish tacos, right? Like, there you go, right? He, Peter hasn't done anything to deserve this. He hasn't done anything to earn this. None of these guys had. But here's Jesus, and now the time is right for Jesus to deal directly with Peter and to restore Peter, to restore him. So you got fish on a charcoal fire and some bread, Jesus tells them, he's like, bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter went, Simon Peter, by himself, Simon Peter, by himself, went aboard and dragged the net to shore. Now, remember, they couldn't even get it into the boat. And then it took all the other ones to drag it to the shore. Peter himself is like, I got this. He goes and picks up the net of all these fish. Where do you get, is it like, did he just become Superman? Like, what, what, where did the strength? But you can see that Peter's, there's something happening within Peter. There's something happening there. Maybe the bread, maybe the fish are serving as reminders. And the Lord just knows how to, Peter, the Lord, the Lord knows how to take care of you. He goes and drags these fish uh, up to where Jesus is at. Um, he says there was a, 
the, the estimate here is there were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. So that in and, in and of itself is a, is a miracle. Okay, so 153 fish, what does that represent? I have no idea. I have no clue. Uh, I know there's commentators who speak on that and all that good stuff. I don't know. Um, and they don't even know. I can tell you that. Like, nobody knows what this number, what does the number represent? Oh, I don't know. It's just, it, to me, it represents a lot of fish. I mean, that's a lot of fish for like 11 dudes, right? Plus Jesus. So um, what is it? Is it speaking to the abundance of like, you know, are we talking about evangelism and souls? Maybe it's a representation of like souls that would be one. Could be. Absolutely could be. You can interpret it that way if you want. You probably wouldn't be wrong, okay? It's just a lot of fish. And John, led by the Holy Spirit, felt like he should probably include the number of fish in there. So there's probably a really good reason for that. And you're like, well, you're a pastor. You're supposed, that's your job, right? You're supposed to figure this stuff out. I'm like, well, I mean, I've read like all the books on it, but that's just, a lot of it's just speculation. Um, I think it does kind of represent, to a certain extent, the mission field and souls to be one. Because Jesus had told Peter originally, I'm going to make you fishers of men, okay? Speaking of winning souls to the kingdom. We don't know. But there you go. It says, the net hadn't torn, verse 12, now come and have some breakfast. This is Jesus. Uh, he says, none of, the, uh, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. So remember, in one room, and then Thomas isn't there. The next, about a week later, in an upper room again, Thomas is present. Peter's present at all, all these scenarios, Okay. Jesus has already dealt with Thomas. Now he's going to turn his attention to Peter. Verse 15, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, and and please note that Jesus cooks breakfast for the disciples. He cooks breakfast for Peter, lets Peter enjoy a a wonderful breakfast. I'm sure it was heavenly, right? And he was going to wait till after breakfast when he was going to have this little one-on-one come to Jesus meeting with Peter, right? (laughs) Like he was, and, and that's beautiful. That's amazing. Because I think sometimes, especially within our, you know, our world today, we like to paint these images of, well, either Jesus is like just this super weak, I don't know where they get this stuff from, blonde hair, blue-eyed, European kind of guy. I don't know what that is. That's not him. He's Middle Eastern. He's born, he's born in Israel, right? Um, he's a strong dude, okay? He's not like some weak, you know, pacifist kind of, he's a strong dude. He, he, he built furniture for, you know, more than half his life. Right? So he's probably a strong, physically strong guy. Um, but here he is dealing very gently and very compassionately with Peter, where he makes him breakfast and lets him enjoy the breakfast. And then he's going to call him away and say, okay, we need to talk. We need to talk. He, he, he addresses him. Simon, son of John, um, do you love me more than these? And what are the these? Probably the fish. Probably the fish. Probably all 153 of those fish. Because remember what Peter, as far as what we, you can't be dogmatic on this, but when Peter says, I'm going fishing, maybe he was being more serious about that than what we think. To where Jesus shows up in his life and he's like, Peter, do you love me more, more than these? Do you love me more than the fish? Do you agape me? Do you love me? Because there's different word tenses, you know, tenses in, in you know, words. In the, in the Greek, they use, you know, about three, three, maybe four different words for love. 
uh, in America, we, we, lo- we just love everything. We, we love it, and not all the same, but we just use one word to describe our love for everything, you know? I love my wife. I love my kids. I love avocados, right? And you're like, well, you're like, well okay, that's cool, but not the same, though, right? now, definitely not the same. Um, but in the Greek, they're like, well, you know, I, I phileo this, and I eros that, and I agape this, right? They use different terms for, and Jesus uses those when, well, he asked Peter one type of love, and Peter responds in a different kind of love. You love me more than these? And Peter's like, yeah, Lord, you know I like you. That's really what he says. It's not I love you, like, it's not the same I love that Jesus was asking him. Jesus, you know, I'm... I'm cool with you. It's not what I asked. He says, but Jesus says, then feed my lambs. Jesus repeated the same question a second time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know, you know I love you. But again, not the same. Not the same. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. The third time, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him the question the third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. So here's Jesus restoring Simon. This is Peter, um, in case you don't know that. Uh, But he's asking him, and very purposefully, he asked him three times. Why? Well, probably because Peter denied him three times. And, and Jesus is really driving this point home in Peter's heart. And you might think this is, well, isn't that just a little much, right? No, it's not. It's not. Jesus had every right to ask him three times. And he should address the fact that Peter denied him three times by asking him, Peter, come on, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I do. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I, I love you. No, Peter, do you love me? I love you. Okay, Peter, then get to work then get to work. Those who love me will obey my commands. He says, Peter, then get to work. And this is part of the restoration process. And this is what's key for us because what we, what, especially us in, in this Western culture, we, we, have to, we, we have to realize you can't just like, you can't just go around moping and all that stuff. Like you've messed up, fine, own it. Like that's what repentance is. You own it, make it right. Then get to work then get to work. Serve the Lord. Get back on the track and start running. You cannot sideline yourself. I don't know where, this, where or why this has crept into, especially our modern church, where it's like, now, there are some sins that will disqualify you from some works. We get that. Like, if I'm up here and I have a moral failure, then I'm disqualified from standing in front of you and teaching the Word of God, period. That's it. I lose this. Like, I know that, and I've watched guys, and I've had friends that have done this, and they have moral failures, and they don't get to do this anymore. But that does not mean they sit on the sidelines. That does not mean that they're disqualified from serving within the kingdom of God. But yet, sometimes that's how we treat them, and then sometimes that's how they treat themselves. Both are wrong. Both are wrong. You messed up? Fine. It may disqualify you from doing what you're doing presently, but it does not excuse you from serving the Lord and in his kingdom. It doesn't. But I've seen too many, too many. And again, I, have, I literally have a list of guys that have, that have been influential to a certain degree within my life, and, 
And unfortunately, their names are added to this list of like, well, now they're out. Well, now they're out. And, and not that it, I don't need to hear anything about these guys anymore because I wouldn't expect any of them to stand in a pulpit and preach because you lose that, that you lose that. But the sad thing is you don't hear from them at all. What are you doing? So you just quit? So you just give up? Well, you don't understand what I did. I don't care. I don't care. You don't just get to quit on Jesus. You don't just, you don't get, I don't care what you've done. Like, it doesn't matter. You may have blown it. You may have just blown your witness tremendously, but you don't get to give up on Jesus. You don't. I'm sorry, but if the king of Israel made the, one of the greatest mistakes ever, saw a lady bathing on the rooftop, was really attracted to her, he should have been out in the fields at battle when the kings are normally out in, at battle. He was not, chose, decided to stay home. That's, poor, that's a poor decision on his part. He didn't have accountability set up. We see this happening today with some of our pastors in New York City. They just lost another pastor because why? Because he didn't have accountability set up because, you just, because we're above it. We're above it. It's not going to happen to us. No, no, that's stupid, right? King David, he's, that's, it's an idiot mistake. It's stupid. No, I send everybody off to war. I'm going to stay home. What and do what? Stand on my rooftop. Enjoy my kingdom. It's not your kingdom. There's an attractive lady bathing on the rooftop. I guess that's normal. I don't know, but it seems weird to me. But he saw her, he pursued her, hooked up with her, got her pregnant, murdered her husband. She lost that baby. He ends up marrying her. We get Solomon as a result of that, but that's David. So what would it have been like if David was like, well, I guess I'm done. I guess I'm done. There's no coming back from this one, but yet if you read the rest of the Psalms, I mean, some of the most beautiful and heartfelt Psalms were written after that experience. Do we, we, don't, we, don't throw, we don't throw any of that stuff away. Now, did he pay for that tremendously? Read David's life. He absolutely paid tremendously. His family was a wreck after that. Just a disaster, total disaster. But he didn't get to stop being the king. He didn't get to stop serving the Lord. He didn't get to stop writing psalms. He didn't get to stop serving Jesus. And here's Peter, and Jesus shows up, and he's like, Peter, are we good? Are we good? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I guess so. Yeah, Peter, are we good? Lord, we're good. Okay, then get to work. Then get to work. See, Jesus still had plans for Peter. He was going to use Peter in a tremendous way. Imagine if Peter would have quit. Imagine if he would have gone back to fishing. Then he misses out on Acts chapter 2. He misses out on the Holy Spirit falling on those guys and thousands of people getting saved. He misses out on that. The Lord still has plans for that, and the Lord was still going to do all that with or without him. The Lord still has plans for you that he would like for you to be a part of, but he will accomplish those with or without us, with or without us. You can't give up on Jesus. You cannot give up on him. You don't know what's next. You don't know what's next. You don't know what Acts chapter 2 type story is just around the corner in your own life. So don't bail on him. Wait for the sunrise. Wait for the sunrise in your dark day. And then let Jesus restore you back to that place and say, okay, we're good. Let's run. Because that's what it is. That's what restoration is.
It's the Lord coming into our lives and saying, look, I know what you've done. In fact, he, he didn't even stop there, at least for us, what we, what we understand, and for Peter as well. I think Peter got this too. He knows not only what we've done, he knows what you're going to do. And he's like, Peter, you think this is the last time you're going to do something boneheaded? You think this is the last time you're going to fail me? Oh, we got a long way to go, buddy. So whatever you think, maybe you're in your mind, in your heart, you think like, I, there's just no going back. Can I tell you that you can always go back? You can always go back. In fact, I would encourage you to go back to Jesus. Let him restore you and then see what he has in, in store for you. Let him show you what's next. It's not over. You're still breathing, right? We, I think we all are. We're in here, we seem like we're doing okay. Online, I, don't, I hope. Well, please, uh, I hope that we're still breathing. Um, that would be really bad. Uh, you're still alive, which means you're still usable. You can still be used by him. Peter, Jesus goes on to tell Peter, he says, uh, verse, verse 18 here, he says, I, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You can come and go as you please and all that good stuff. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said to, this to him to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Meaning Peter was going to get crucified. That's literally what he's talking about. And that's what happened. And in fact, um, uh, thought, the thought is um, that he was, in fact, crucified, but he, decided, he asked to be crucified upside down because he, he didn't feel like he deserved to be crucified in the same way that Jesus was crucified, which is just absolutely incredible. Amazing. But he would go on to be, he, it would cost him his life. But he goes on to say, you know, to let him know, then Jesus told him, follow me. Follow me. I know what you did. I know what you said. And you've had time to think about that. And I, I saw the tears and all that stuff. I've restored you. Now just follow me. Follow me to the end. Follow me to the end is what he's saying. Peter, he's saying that to Peter. He's saying that to, to you. He's saying that to me. Follow me to the end. Just stick with me. Peter does the classic thing. <laughs> This is such a Peter thing. Um, this is crazy, but here you go. Peter turned around and saw behind him the disciple Jesus loved. Again, that's John. Um, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and said, Lord, who will, you, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, well, what about him? <laughs> Peter, now's not the time to ask those questions, okay? Number one, <laughs> we're, we're talking about you, okay? But Peter does that thing that we all do. Yeah, Lord, but what about them? Not your business. It's not your business. And, and I think that's included in here because it seems like a weird kind of thing. And this isn't John including this to get at Peter or anything like that. This is an in, included in here to help us to, you stay focused on Jesus. He restored you. He just told you to follow him. You don't worry about, well, what about them? No, no, not your business. Mind your own business. But no, no, but no, 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 zip it. You follow Jesus. You follow him. And that's what Jesus tells him. And Jesus replies, he, he replies to him, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Peter, it's none of your business. What me and John have going on is none of your business. As for you, follow me. 
Then there was a rumor that spread of all the believers that, just, that John wouldn't die. He did end up dying. It took him a while. Well, now let's give the guy credit. I mean, it did take him a while to die. Um, but he did live to long old age. But this rumor was like, Jesus will return before John dies. Now, that wasn't true. It says, but that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until, the, until I return, what is that to you? John closes out this little story, this whole, actually the whole gospel. He says, um, this, is, uh, this disciple is the one who testified that to these events as rec- or has recorded them here. And we know that this account or the, his account of these things are accurate. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I'd suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. All right? So there's a lot more that Jesus did that we don't even know about. We have no even clue about. But the last story in the gospel of John is Jesus restoring Peter and saying, look, are we good? And it was never an issue on Jesus's part. It was never an issue on Jesus's part. But Jesus had to get Peter to the point where it's like, look, let's, sit, let's have some one-on-one time. You, you made a mistake. You own that mistake. Sweet. Okay, are, are we good? Are we okay? Do you love me? Yeah, feed my lambs. Teach the little ones. Teach the big ones. Teach them all. Lambs, sheep. Teach them all, please. The point of that is, okay, Peter, then we got to get back to work because there's so much more to do. There's so much more to do. We can't stay here forever. The sun has risen on your darkest day. Now it's time to follow Jesus and get back to work. And I think that's a timely word for us. One beautiful gift that we can thank, we can thank God for is, is that of restoration. Um, if you're anything like me, this is something that has been a tremendous part of my walk with Jesus. It's not like a one and done thing, right? It's not like, well, hey, restore me this one time, right? No, no, no. I mean, I, maybe you're better than I am at, at following Jesus. I don't know. But there have been multiple times where I've had that come to Jesus meeting with him where it's like, look, Lord. Um, or he stepped into my life and he's like, James, dude, where are you at? Come back. Come back. We're not, I'm not done yet. I'm not done with you. Are you I'm not going to let you quit. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not giving up on you, so, so stop giving up on me. Let's get back to, are we good? Now let's get to work. So I think that that is something that um, we can all be appreciative of, the fact that the Lord steps into our life and he offers restoration for each and every one of us. Um, that is something that we can also be grateful for concerning loved ones, loved ones. And this is what we pray is that Jesus would stand on the shore, so to speak, of our loved ones who are maybe drifting away. And that the sun would rise and they would recognize, man, that's Jesus. I, I, I just, I love, again, I love this story. I, I, it brings back to me just all those times where the Lord has stepped into my life and been so faithful to step into my life and gently deal with me and say, okay, we got to get back to work. Lives are at stake. Souls. I mean, this is heaven and hell we're talking about here. It's heaven and hell. We can fight and argue about freedoms all day long, but the reality is the key issue is heaven and hell. So that's when none of the stuff matters. I don't care if they're blue or red or whatever, because what we're dealing with is heaven and hell. So we got to get back to, like Jesus says to Peter, you got to get back to what he's called you to do. Hope, hopeless, hopeless, ready for the
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken. You've been listening to Pastor James Grizzle teach through a series called Every Good Gift. We're so thankful that you took the time to listen to Bread for the Broken today. If there's any word of encouragement in how this ministry has impacted you, feel free to share it with us. You can get into touch with us through our contact page at breadforthebroken.com. Another way that you can show support for this ministry is by giving financially to further the message of God to people near and far. If you feel led to do this, go to breadforthebroken.com and find the link for donations. If you're enjoying Pastor James's teachings and would like to hear them in person, we invite you to join us for one of our services. Calvary Galveston meets on Sundays and Thursdays for worship and Bible study. You can find directions, service times, and more by visiting our website. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. We're a laid-back church, wanting people to realize that being part of a church can be simple and uncomplicated. Our goal is to magnify Jesus at all ages. Does that sound like something that might just interest you? (laughs) Then join us this week. We hope to see you soon, and we'd love to hear what God's doing in your life. There's more to discover from this series, Every Good Gift, so don't miss a single edition as Pastor James teaches through these gifts that God gives. We look forward to next time, and until then, be thinking about the gifts that God might be wanting to give you or use through you. Tune in next time for more right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you